Are you excited? It feels like spring is here. Or it did for a little bit. Every plant thought that spring was here and has started shedding pollen like crazy. Welcome to Grounded, the place to hear the salty truth. I'm your host, Scott Cates, coming to you live from the Northeast Georgia mountains and the tiny town of Tiger, where today it's cool once again. And the pollen count is up, and you can hear my voice today. A little raspy, a little crazy, I would say. It's kind of there, almost there, really barely there. And so those of you that have known about this and have been praying, thank you so much. We're going to try to get through this today the best I can as my alternate identity. I've donned the cape and the mask and become Mr. Laryngitis for the moment. But that's okay. We're going to get through it today. As we talk about R-E-S-P-E-C-T, just a little bit. Hey, baby, just a little bit. That's something we've got missing in today's society. Respect. I've heard people say respect is earned. Respect is taught as well. Here in Northeast Georgia and in the parts of Georgia that I've lived in, really Alabama, Florida, southern states mostly, we teach our children respect. We teach our children what, that once they're addressed, if they're asked a question, they respond with, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. They look at an adult when they're speaking to them. And if they miss that, yes, sir, or no, ma'am, usually the parent will speak up and say, what do you say? Yes, sir, no, ma'am. And that usually comes. And I will never forget the first time I ever was gotten onto for saying something similar. I was, a, I was a boy. I was probably about, I guess I was about 11. The first time that some, I'd run into someone that was not from the southern states. And it, it was a lady who said, don't you ever ma'am me. Don't you ever say ma'am. You do not ma'am me. And it was so hard because we had been taught coming up to always say yes ma'am or no ma'am. As a matter of fact, to be honest with you, I can't remember a time I've watched children that have been gotten onto by other folks that didn't understand about the fact that that was a sign of respect. And it usually has come in the form of, I've never heard anyone answer to a sir, or never heard a man say, you don't have to say yes, sir, or no, sir, to me. But I've heard multiple occasions where Ladies from other places have stepped up and said, don't you ever say ma'am to me. Don't you ma'am me with a ton of attitude and sass and trying to take that away. Yes, we taught our children, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, seriously as a sign of respect. Still used, still as an adult, those who are older than me, At this point, I'll still say yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Those that are my age and sometimes many of those that are younger than me, I'll still use those words as well as a sign of respect. I can also tell you that it doesn't matter when someone speaks to me and when they get in front of me or they're talking to me, they're the most important person to me. Most of you know that, especially if you stop and try to talk to me on a Sunday morning after a church service. If there is someone in front of me, you'll see that I'm usually glued to that person because they're placed there right in that moment. And just like when you step up to talk to me, you'll be the most important person right there in that moment to me. 
as I look at you, it's respect. It's a sign of respect to look at, at you and to speak to you and to say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, to you. I was also taught as a child to respect those who were in authority. You respected your teachers when you went to school. You respected your teachers. You did the same. You listened to them. And to be honest with you, if you were a child and you got into trouble at school or you were in trouble for disrespecting, that was the one thing you did not want to get caught doing was disrespecting an elder because that came with serious consequences as a child. Today, it doesn't seem like the disrespect of an individual, one individual to another comes with many consequences at all. We see today that we have a division within our country, and it's pretty serious. You can look at it from places where there's unrest in many cities, where they don't want law enforcement, don't want to respect law enforcement, and any little reason that would be given. And by the way, let me just say that there are millions of law enforcement officers across the nation. And I also want to tell you that, tell you that a very small percentage of those, very tiny percentage of those, may be corrupt. But the majority are not. But to leap, just to lump all of them in the same category is not a fair thing to do. If you've ever been discriminated against because you're in a certain category, you would understand. As a matter of fact, today, in many ways, we're trying to buy respect through programs, many times through government programs. We see that from the 1960s forward, the programs of affirmative action have taken place, trying to sort of give respect or restore respect to someone based on skin color. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. We see that that's gone even as far as even reparations. We're looking at San Francisco today that's wanting to pay $5 million to every black citizen who is in San Francisco, unfortunately. Uh, that's it. And not that long ago, I was speaking with a friend of mine and I sent them that article from San Francisco, you know, talking about that. They, and we thought that was going to be so far fetched. But I said, if this ever does pass, you'll watch this sweep across the nation. And it will become the death of our country. The whole reason to do this is to try to buy respect from someone. You cannot buy respect. You can't. As a matter of fact, when you begin to go and you, you decide you're going to pay someone off to get their respect, that usually gets worse. And I can show you that in a moment as well. I can tell you if you've never been on the side of discrimination or where a lack of respect has been placed in your area because of your skin tone, you'll never understand really what that's like. <clears throat> I was in the Air Force. I went in in 1986, 37 years ago, actually, this past week. I joined the Air Force, went in, went to training, got out of training, went through training to train pilots and crew members on what to do in case of an emergency in their aircraft, went to Air Force instructor school, went to a form of jump school, got out of all of that to be able to teach pilots and crew members what to do in severe emergency situations. Did that for four years. When I went to my first base, I ran into a chief master sergeant that was there that had been on that base for about 20 years and was in charge of the unit that we were in for 20 years. And 
we were in a discussion in the coffee room one day. And he was in a discussion with someone else. As I walked in, he said, let's take this one, for instance. And he said, you see this blonde hair and blue eyes and white skin? This one has always enjoyed a life of privilege. And he was talking about me. And he said, this one has always enjoyed a life of privilege. There will never be a day in his life. He's never known a day at this point, and he will never know a day in his life that he is discriminated against. That will never happen. And we began to get in that discussion about that. And, and at that point in time, I was about 19 years old, and I could agree with him. There was no doubt. But four years later, I got out of the Air Force, and I stepped out onto the scene at a time of recession. And we sort of know that word well now because we've been in multiple recessions, one 2007 8 that was tough and really one coming on now that we're looking at that might be just as tough. But at that time, we were in a recession as well. The job market was difficult. And so finding a job was tough. And I remember I went to the Florida job board, went back to the town I came from, which was Pensacola. And I stood in line downtown Pensacola, halfway around the block with everyone else at the Florida job board waiting to get an interview and to talk to someone about getting a job. Many jobs had been turned in. There were many jobs available through the state. Many jobs had been turned in through private agencies. And you could go there and you could find employment and their idea, I mean, they would assist you in employment. Well, I got to the door and the first lady that I talked to, she said, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm here looking for a job like everybody else. And she laughed for a second. She said, okay. She said, then wait your turn over there. She put me in a little line over on the side. I noticed everyone else was being whisked through, but me, I was in a line that was not being whisked through. Didn't dawn on me in the moment the reason why. But by the time I finally got called to a desk, half the morning was over and I got to the desk and the little lady said, why are you here? And I said, I'm here with everyone else looking for a job. She said, well, Mr. Cates, I want to say this to you first, that you would be the last one considered for a job. I said, you don't even know my qualifications left, she, what they are. She said, I know we can do this and we can take your application and, and write down your qualifications, but I'm telling you right now, you'll be one of the last ones considered. I said, okay, well, at least let's try this. We went through all of my background and every, every place I was qualified, all of that. Once all of that got written down, I said, I'll be waiting to hear from you. And she said, good luck. And I walked out the door. And I would check back daily and see all of these postings that I would be qualified for. And the next day, they would still be up. And the next day, it would still be up. And I was thinking, here I am. Why wouldn't I be qualified for this position? So I went in. I sat down with her once more. And I said, wait a minute. These are, these are positions that have been open. You haven't hired anyone for these? She said, you're not qualified. I said, why, why am I not qualified? I said, let me speak to a supervisor. And she said, that would be fine. So I went into another office and sat down with a man who sat me down. And here is what he told me. Mr. Cates, I don't quite know how to say this any other way but this. You are the wrong gender. And you are the wrong color. You're the wrong race. You're the wrong gender and you're the wrong race for us to be able to offer you anything. Go somewhere else and find something else. I walked out of there and I couldn't believe it. I was turned down for being white male. 
He began to explain those that they had to hire, had to hire, were required to hire before me. Okay. I left there and was shocked. I thought, well, I'll try the post office. So I went to take the postal exam. As I went to take the postal exam, I went in the door with a friend who was also a different shade of skin tone than me. And we both sat down for this exam and I could hear him taking deep breaths and frustrated. And I thought to myself, this exam is a piece of cake. I went through the postal exam and I got out of there and I thought, wow, that was easy. I stood out by the car, waited for my friend. He came out the door. He said, man, he put his head down in between his, just his, right in his hands. And he said, he said, I bombed this thing. Scott, I bombed this thing. I said, man, don't worry, but it was an easy exam. Maybe you didn't do as bad as you thought. He said, no, but I bombed it. I'm telling you. And so we went our separate ways. I began to look around for jobs, more jobs. And finally I did get a job and I was running correspondence back and forth between bank branches for a bank. In the days before email, I just had a car and I would run the mail from one branch to the next to the next. And the second half of the day, I would run the postage meter and put all the postage on all of the statements that were going out for your checking and savings accounts. And I would put those all into big baskets and take those over to the post office. Well, I did this for a little while and I walked in one day and guess who was standing behind the counter? the fellow that was with me taking the exam that had bombed the exam. And I said, you got this job? He said, I, I don't, I did. And I said, how in the world? He said, all they told me coming to the door is I was the right color for the job. I said, you gotta be kidding me. He said, no. And before I left him, I had to help him make change across the counter for our transaction. And I walked out the door not long after that, I discovered that I wasn't the only one that was in this circumstance. I had gone on to do something that paid a little more money than what I was doing, and that was basically bagging groceries and cleaning out the deep freeze on a regular basis at the local grocery store. Me and another fellow who had gotten out of the Navy, and we were in this discussion, and we were talking about everywhere we went. We had been turned down because we were not the right race or gender to be hired. And from that point forward, I have heard for the rest of my life, since I was my early 20s to now, the same thing. You enjoy your, you enjoy your privilege. They say this to me. All, you enjoy your privilege. You've always enjoyed your privilege. You've always enjoyed your place. No. No, I haven't. In my adult life, all I've known is discrimination in the opposite direction because of legal action that was taking place to try to make respect something that was going to be given to someone else by the government or by programs, it has not earned one day of respect, not one day. Because we're learning something valuable. No matter how much more you give to other individuals, respect is not something that you can buy. Respect is not something that you can give away by programs or, or you can get it earned by programs. Respect comes from being taught in the home from a young child. As believers in Jesus Christ, we understand and we do know, we should understand and know that it is God, it is Jesus who evens the playing field. On the day of Pentecost, represent, representatives from every tribe of every nation were there, 
the day that Peter preached and they heard the gospel message. Jesus, even the playing field. <laughs> it's amazing, really. I've been, I, we were talking about this song, Respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, just a little bit, just a little bit. Everybody thinks that Aretha Franklin was the one that put that wrote that song. It actually wasn't Aretha. It was actually Otis Redding who actually first penned those words, got that song written down, and sang that song about a man who worked hard every day. He came home every night. He gave his money to his girl. And finally, he just said, please, give me some respect. Just a little bit. Just a little respect. He was begging her for some respect. It's kind of amazing that that got turned and Aretha took his song and they repinned a few words and it became the move for a feminist movement from the late 60s to the early 70s and is driving strong even today and it wasn't even originally written about that. Respect. You realize with love comes respect. You realize that there should be offered and afforded to each other just a general respect just because we're human beings. It's amazing what the scripture has to say about that. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Those of you that know me know that I am a music buff. I love the history of music, where it came from. I know about songs from the 1920s to the 2020s. Most all of them, mostly. Now, there's a genre or two that I'm not too crazy about or I'm not into much. By the way, you're listening to Grounded. This is Scott Cates. There are some genres that I'm not too crazy about. And I, I was just in this discussion with a friend. We were talking about hip-hop music. So it's not really my favorite. Matter of fact, I, it just wasn't something that I really grew up with. And um, so we got into a discussion about that, about you know hip-hop. And I said, as a matter of fact, the first rap song that ever came out, never really got great credit for being what it was because when you come down to it, everybody thought it was ingenious to put words and talk the words through a rhythm and get it all out there and to rhyme and do what it was. And I, and people actually don't give credit where credit is due. If we were really going to give credit to the grandfather of all rap songs and really to get down there and look and see what was the very first rap song. I'll rap it to you right now. You ready? Here we go. And we'll begin. And we'll begin. Let me get my attitude on as we get started. And here it is. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind. He was willing to make a deal. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Charlie Daniels, 1979, introduces The Devil Went Down to Georgia, which sells 2 million copies, ends up being a number one hit. After the digital age, 2 million copies on vinyl. After the digital age comes into existence, 2.5 more million Copies, it gets re-released, ends up on the top 100, ends up to be the top, really in the top 100, number 63 of the top 100 songs of all time. The first original rap song. The devil went down to Georgia. But did Charlie Daniels get any respect for having that as his first rap song? No, he did not. Just saying. 
It's amazing what we look at. It's amazing what we see. It's amazing where respect is demanded, but oftentimes not given. It's amazing where respect comes from and who brings it. I've been watching a documentary, a great documentary, and talking about music. It's called The Stacks Record Story. Respect Yourself is what the title of it is. It's called Respect Yourself, the story of Stacks Records in Memphis, Tennessee. It is fantastic. It talks about what happened before the days of the Civil Rights Movement and what happened the day that Dr. Martin Luther King was shot and killed. And what happened immediately following that and what took place, where the respect actually went out the door, how much respect there was before that. There are some great quotes from the people who were on the scene of the day. A little lady said this. She said, it didn't matter the color of your skin. We were there to do things better because we weren't there doing things better because we were black or they were white or whatever. She said, we were in there with a great respect for one another proving that music is the sentiment of a man's soul. She said, we just played together. Later on in that video, she said, we didn't know we were supposed to hate each other. Someone came in the door and told us we were supposed to hate each other all of a sudden, and it changed everything. She said, we never saw color. We never saw black or white. We just saw we were having a great time making music together. Now the gentleman, he stepped up in the video, and he says, I never thought nothing about white folk. We never looked at color. We looked at people, and we respected them as such. He said, forget skin tone. The only tone that mattered was the tone that came out of your instrument. There was a day when everything changed. Race became militant. Respect became non-existent. If you're watching this video, they go through and tell you what happened within just a few short months. Within three months of the death of Martin Luther King, the way that things were overturned, how the government basically stepped up and stepped in and tried to get involved in everyday life and changed it. Changed everything about it. These things that we're seeing that are on the scene today And all of this hatred and equality and racial division that we see today. Let me say something to you folks. None of that is of God. Not any bit of it. And none of it is right. No matter what the government tries to tell you one way or another. It isn't right. It isn't right. It is still not right to discriminate against an individual or not have respect for them as a human being based on their skin tone, period in either direction. I can tell you this much, when a man dons a uniform and he stands as a police officer and he stands there to protect us, they're out there to protect us from ourselves. That's what they're there for. They protect us from us because humanity unrestrained can be brutal and there is great respect for what they do. But I promise you, if anybody ought to be singing the R-E-S-P-E-C-T song, It ought to be some law enforcement officers. They love their families, love their wives and children, love their spouses and children. Out there putting their lives on the line, 
many of them loving Jesus and are out there because they've been called to do what they're doing that are getting a bad rap for who they are. It's time some respect came back for authority. But respect for authority won't come back until respect for who we are as men with each other comes. We must find that. You'll find it in the pages of Scripture. You'll find it in the things that Jesus says. You'll find it at the presence of the Holy Spirit. You're listening to Grounded. My name is Scott Cates. A few years back, a tornado hit the city of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It was brutal. It hit a trucking hub right on the outskirts of the city and swept through the University of Alabama. But when it hit that trucking hub, it picked up it picked up the truck parts, the cab parts of semi-trucks and threw them mile for miles. I owned a house about 25 miles outside of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and on the way to that house, which was about about 13, 14 miles on the way there, I stopped my car for a moment and looked up in a tree. 25 feet up in an oak tree sat a cab that had been carried, a cab up the semi-truck part, the, the, the truck part of a semi-truck, 25 feet in the air sitting in the top of an oak tree that had been carried by a tornado all the way from Tuscaloosa, swirling around 13 miles and landed in this tree. You talk about some force and some power. I saw the destruction. I went to my house one day. I turned around and said, that's it. Where's Samaritan's Purse at work? They were just opening their office right there in Tuscaloosa, getting ready. They were at First Baptist Church of Tuscaloosa. I went down there and said, I want to work with you guys for the day. They put us uh, together in vans. We drove to a residential area that was across, really across the highway from where the Krispy Kreme in Tuscaloosa was located. There was nothing left of that neighborhood. It was torn to shreds. There was not a house left on the ground, nothing but splinters. It was awful. We went to find, there were families that were standing there. They had come back to ruins and it didn't matter what their skin tone was, what color, it did not matter. We stood out there and we stopped. They bawled their eyes out. They, we, we listened to their story. I'm telling you, after storm relief like that, when they've been hit, the first people on the scene get to hear their stories because they have to tell it. They've got to tell how they survived through their hardship that they were in. My son and I, we were the first ones into Mexico Beach. We were the first truck in right behind the National Guard with Samaritan's Purse going in to try to help the, the, the inhabitants of Mexico Beach after they had been hit. And the first thing that they wanted to do, they, they came out and said, oh, thank God you're here. But the first thing they wanted to do was tell you about their story. It's where I really began to start asking people, tell me about your world. There are so many people that if we'd stop for just a second and respect them enough to listen, it would make a difference. So many people have so many things that are going on in their lives that if we'd stop for a minute and honor them enough to say, tell me about you, tell me about your world, you'd be amazed that at your listening, the respect that would be gained to you and earned by just listening to theirs, their story. On the way to Tuscaloosa, I went back from working with Samaritan's Purse from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I formed a team where we were and decided to go ahead and come on back to Tuscaloosa. And we were going to work in this area 
I'd left my number there telling them we were going to formulate a team. On the way to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, I got a phone call. We were ready to do storm relief, had chainsaws and everything you could imagine to do storm relief. But on the way back, I got a call halfway there. And it was some folks from Tuscaloosa, uh, officials from Tuscaloosa, that called and said, are you bringing a church team? I said, yes. And they said, they need someone that is going to go down to the church that is right outside the housing authority buildings, the housing projects, basically, in Tuscaloosa. They will go to that church and do a vacation Bible school for their kids. They were already planning on doing it, but the team is the, that was going to come uh, is not coming now. Would you all do that? I said, absolutely, we would love to. I turned around to the people in the van and said, they're asking us to teach VBS for a week. They all cheered. We said, we're ready. We got there. We got the materials. And in the mornings, we began to teach vacation Bible school. Well, we got, we would get out of vacation Bible school in the mornings and in the afternoons after lunch, we would drive over to where all of the residents lived in the housing authority. And they were basically sort of apartments that were side by side. And then there were long rows of apartments in the middle of each one of these was a courtyard. And we would pull up our van at the common area that was there, get out of our van and go knock on doors and say, hey, we're here. We want to talk to y'all. And we would play a game of kickball. Now, you've not lived until you've been in the housing authority, the projects of a city, and formulated a kickball game that you have 70 people on each team. The ball doesn't go far. There's a lot of laughter, and you can barely move, but it's a blast. And we went out to a very large field that was underneath a bunch of power lines, and we played kickball. And we would play kickball till we got really hot, and then we had brought water with us. And I would pull the cooler to the center of the courtyard and just sit down. And I sat down in the center of this courtyard. And I said, let me tell you the reason why we're really here. And all of the people would line up underneath. There was about maybe 18 inches of shade underneath the overhang of the roof of these as they were lined up. Some of our students were there. And the, the girls that were that lived there and the, our students that had come there, they were cornrowing the the hair on a, of our girls and showing them what, how to do that. And it, there was no color. There was no, we never looked at that. We never saw that. They never saw that in us. And I began to tell them why we came. Tell them that Jesus died for them. That no matter what happened, the reason why we came here today and why we were here in this moment was to tell them about Jesus. And I began to share about how Jesus loved them. And he evened the playing field in that moment. And when he did, I gave an invitation sitting on that cooler. And I said, whoever wants to come, just come to me and just sit down right here in the grass with me. And they began to come. And on that first day, they began to come. They came in droves. And this man had older than 70 years old. He said, can I come too? I said, anyone can come. When he came, a few other adults came and they sat around and I said, here it is. Do you want Jesus? More than anything else, do you want to walk with Jesus? Do you believe that he loves you? Do you today want to say, I love him? I know my sins are in the way. Will you forgive me, Lord, of my sins so I can come to you and walk with you and that you'd be in charge of my life? And I believe the Bible and every word in it that it would be true. I accept that is true. Are you willing to do that today? They all said yes, and I began to lead them in a prayer, and they all began to just pray together, tears running out of their eyes. And in that 
moment. It was amazing. The reality that Christ levels the playing field. We'd have never gotten an opportunity to sit there and talk to anyone had respect not been afforded to us and respect not been afforded to them. I've been in moments of being discriminated against. I've been in places. I was downtown Atlanta one time where it, across from the hospital at a Burger King where it got refused to be served. I get it. I understand. But I promise you this much. Oftentimes today, people don't know any different. It's what they've grown up with, and it's all they've ever known. And they'll never know any different. Oftentimes, when you first meet someone, if you'll afford them respect, respect many times will be given back. Not always. But it's what we've been called to do. The scriptures are really clear. There are so many different scriptures. Romans 12.10 says we should honor one another. Philippians 2, 3 talks about humility, taking the humble place that we find a place of humility, that we get in, we take that place, we give preference to others. 1 Peter 2, 17 says that we should actually give honor, honor all the people, show respect to all the people, no matter what, love the brethren. It's important. Give respect to authority. Romans chapter 13, authority. Give, let every soul be subject to the govern author, governing authorities. You'll find it in Scripture that those who are over us, those men in uniform that have been placed over us, those that are above us in the laws of the land, and in every way possible, we should submit and we should be, be subjective to those authority, those people that are in authority. That's appointed by God. That's exactly what it says. That is important. Finding that place. First Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13 talks about those who have been placed over us in authority as far as the word, the ministers that are above us. We should hold them in a place of honor and authority as well. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, talking about honoring your mother and father, why that's important. Because as you honor them, you'll also honor God, which is important. And finally, just simple verses in all of this. At the heart is kindness. Be kind, no matter what. One day I was sitting in the Lord, just sort of spoke to my heart and spoke a statement to my heart. And this is what it was. It takes a half a second to be kind. Maybe a full second to be sweet but forever to clean up the mess when you're not. One more time. It takes a half a second to be kind, maybe a full second to be sweet, and forever to clean up the mess when you are not. Believers, we need to be people of kindness. No matter what's thrown in our direction, we need to be people who are going to stop no matter what comes in our direction and say, tell me about your world. That's who we need to be. It's easy to get us fired up over things that we feel like are maybe we're being discriminated against or things are being discriminated against in our areas. Many people don't understand and they don't know. Many people don't know what we believe. They've just been told another story. 
But I promise you, when we afford respect, and respect is afforded to us, it's amazing the outcome that takes place. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, just a little bit. Hey, baby, just a little bit. And it goes a long ways. I realize that's not happening a lot right now. But I still thank God for the pockets that it is. For those children that say, yes, ma'am, no, sir, yes, sir, no, ma'am. I thank God for your parents that are teaching your children respect. That they, you're teaching your children that those who are in authority over them, they're important because they're teaching them important things. For you parents that are active in their lives and teaching them respect as they respect you, they respect others. And they watch the respect that you have for others as well. It's a legacy that we live and leave. And that's important. Well, that's all I have for Grounded today. Talking about R-E-S-P-E-C-T just a little bit. And as you head out in your days, give respect to those around you. I mean everyone. If you see them at the gas station, if they're waiting on you at a restaurant, no matter where you go, the grocery store, in your home, to your children, to your parents, to those in authority of you, remember that respect. Remember that honor. It's an important place in your, in your heart as you honor Jesus Christ. Well, hope you have a great week. I'll see you next Monday. Thanks for listening to the program. This has been Grounded, the place to hear the salty truth. And I'm your host, Scott Cates. Have a great week.